been a good day, hasn't it? Man, great worship. Golly, that's great worship. And if you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad you guys are, are here with us. Uh, through, through, just through technology, we're just glad you guys are a part of it. Man, we had an incredible first service, and prayerfully, God is going to do it again. That's what, uh, what uh, Pastor West was just praying. God, do it again. Uh, man, we saw people broken. Uh, over their sin. Isn't that a, great, a good place to be? That's where God wants us. I don't know if you know that, but God wants us broken over our sin. He wants us broken to the point that we go, you know, God, I need you to heal me. I need you to mend me. And so we're in our fourth week and, uh, of, of You Matter. And, uh, and I hope that there may be some of you who have walked in here today and you're wondering, God, do I, do I really matter to you? Because I'm going through a lot. I had a, young, a lady tell me in the first service for, uh, before it started, we walked up and I just said, hey, how are you doing? And she just started telling me some of the things that were going on in her life. And I was like, man, you know, she has hit the gamut. I mean, it's just a lot of stuff going on in her life. And, and she, she, I could tell she was overwhelmed. It was like too much. And maybe there may be some of you here, maybe some of you watching online that you go, man, that's me. I, I feel like I've got too much on me. I've got too much going on. I feel overwhelmed. I feel just literally like I, I've got a, I need some help. And hopefully as you, as we sang those songs, you, you listen to what they said. You know, there's one in the fire. There's one holding back the water. Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And what he's saying is, hey, listen, you matter to me. You matter to me. Uh, this past week, I had a, a gentleman who shared with me after the service last week. He said, you know, the week before, he said it had been very dark. And uh, he said, you know, uh, just to be honest, he said, I was, I was suicidal all week. He said, when I, and I, he said, I wasn't even planning on coming to church. He said, when I walked in, he said, and I heard when you said, you matter. It's just like God shook me. He said, You matter. You matter to me. And if, if maybe there's somebody watching online, maybe somebody's been battling dark thoughts all week and you just need to know, you know what? God loves you and you matter. You matter to him. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants to do great things in you and through you. He wants to heal you. He wants to even heal your mind. And, and so I hope and I pray that today as we unpack some of this, you're going to see, you know what? I do matter to God. Because it's real easy to look at the things around us. And if we get too focused on the storms around us and too focused on the things going on around us, we can begin to wonder, hey, do I matter? Does God really matter? I think about the disciples in the, in the boat whenever they woke him. They like, God, does it matter that we're going to drown? You know, I mean, Jesus, do you care that we're going to drown? And he gets up and he calms the storm. Because they do matter. We matter. You matter. And so a couple of things we need to look at today and. This is how I know that I matter to God. You know, we talked about that you matter, but I want you to know that you matter. And we're going to unpack a few things that I felt like that we touched last week, but I don't want us to rush past a couple of these. I feel like they're too important. I think it's too vital for us to, to grasp. Sometimes I think we can, we can push past certain things that are key, and we, we miss what God is really trying to say there. But what, you know, this, this is how I know that I matter to God. And so I want you guys to know, you know, in, the, God, in, in uh, the book of John, it says, hey, listen, I've told these things that you might know that you have salvation. Well, I want God to make it clear to us today, to every one of us, you know, that we know we matter. And so how do we know this? Number one is he loves me. You know, and that can be kind of a pad answer type deal. And you might, well, you know, Mike, I know God loves me, uh, you know, or, but I want us to go a little bit deeper than that. Because you know, a lot of us would go, you know what, I believe that God loves me, but... I believe that Jesus loves me, but, and we have all these things going on in our life, and we begin to really question, does God really love me? And if, he do, if I don't believe He loves me, then I, I begin to wonder, do I really matter to Him? And, and so we begin to ask, you know, God, you know, what's going on here, you know? And so I want you guys to kind of stop for a second and just think about how much God loves you. I want you to think about how much He loves you and wants a relationship with you. He wants to be able to talk to you every day. He wants to be able to spend time with you. He, he looks for opportunities to bless you. And so for many of us, we, we, we kind of run past the fact that God loves us and wants a relationship with us. And we, 
we, we get focused on other things. And so I don't, want us to, I don't want us to run past this. And we used this passage last week, but I feel like we just need to unpack it a little bit more. But it says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so most of us know that passage, right? I mean, we've heard it, we've seen it, we've, we've heard it before. And it, it, it can become so commonplace that we don't feel the impact anymore. But I want, I, want you to th- I want you to think for just a minute about the cross of Christ today. I want you to think about the cross, the Roman cross that he was nailed to. And maybe even think back to just the, the lead up to that. You know, here Jesus was, he was teaching, he was healing people, he was feeding people. Man, he was changing lives. He was preaching about the kingdom of God. He was telling people that he was the way, the truth, and the life that no one gets to the Father except through him. And man, he, what he did is he, he, he changed the world. He turned things upside down. And so if you think back, though, and I don't know if you guys ever watched The Passion of the Christ. Any of you guys watch The Passion of the Christ? Raise your hand if you did. All right, if you've never watched it, you might want to watch it. And, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a depiction, if you will, of kind of the, really from the spiritual and the physical realm of what happened in that week leading up to the cross. And, and it's, it's powerful. And so the very first time that I saw it, Laura and I went to see it in Pensacola with some friends. And, you know, I'd heard about it, you know, and, you know, it kind of been a little bit of a buildup. And so we get there. It's packed out. There's not an empty room in a place. And, and so we get there and we're watching the, 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 the crucifixion scenes take place, the beatings, the scourgings, all that kind of stuff. And, man, there were people just weeping and wailing everywhere. I'm talking about just the uncontrollable sobbing out loud. You know, it was, it was terrible feeling. And I can remember having a, a thing of Kleenexes and just weeping and going, you know, God, you know, how can I not love Jesus when I see what he went through for me? How can I not live for him? I mean, how can I just kind of go through life just being mundane and just kind of going through the motions? And how can I do that? I can just remember sitting there being broken over that. And I haven't watched The Passion of the Christ that many times because I don't want to lose that impact that I felt that first time I saw it. And so... Maybe for some of us, though, we need to be reminded, hey, what was it like going to the cross? You know, Jesus was literally arrested and, and he was paraded around and he was beat. His back was beat to the point of his back was just literally open flesh. They would blindfold him and guards would punch him and tell him to prophesy and say who hit him. He was humiliated. I think back even into the garden. When he's praying, you know, Father, can this cup pass from me? Father, is there another way? Not my will, Father, but your will to be done. In other words, Jesus said, I want to be about what you desire, Father. But he knew what the cross would entail. He knew the beatings, the scourgings. He knew the the mockery. He knew the, the punches that he would take. He knew the spit that would be spit upon him. He knew all that, but he went to the cross for, for you and for me because he loves us. He loved the Father. He wanted to be obedient to the Father. And so I think about him even in the garden as he's praying. It says that drops of blood would fall from his, his brow because he was in such anguish. Mental anguish, emotional anguish, and physical anguish about what he was about to go through because he loved us. And so I, th- I think sometimes when we just read John 3.16, we kind of blow through that and we forget about what Jesus went through for you and for me. And, and it becomes just a pat answer like, hey man, God loves you. Jesus loves you. Hey man, appreciate it. Thanks. But we forget what that love looked like. And as he hangs on that cross between, between heaven and hell, and he laid down his life, he literally lays down his life, and they drive the spikes through his hands and through his feet, and they drop him in that hole, and it, the flesh rips, and he just hangs there, literally bleeding out his precious blood to cover the sins of the world. 
And that's my sins. That's my lies, my jealousy, my stealing, my cheating, whatever it might be. And same for you. Whatever you've done that is an offense against God, Jesus bled out his precious blood to cover your sins because he loves you. And he wanted to be able to provide a way for you to be redeemed so that you might be in right standing with the Father. So whenever I, I look back and I realize, you know, I know that I matter to, God, matter to God because he loves me. And when I read that passage that God loved the world, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In other words, it is so they wouldn't have to bust hell wide open. They would be able to have eternal life with the father, be in right standing with the father because of what Christ did on the cross. And I, I love verse 17. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him, not to condemn, not to, not to judge the world and not to say, point out your sins, but to say, hey, listen, I can cover your sins. I want a relationship with you. I love you. And let me show you how much I love you. I will lay down my life for you. That's how much he loves us. And so maybe you came in here today going, man, I don't know if I matter. Maybe you've had dark thoughts. Maybe you've been down in a dark valley this past week. Maybe you wonder, you know, God, do you even know what's going on in my life? I've got all these financial struggles. God, I've got all this going on. God, my family's falling apart. There's sickness. There's disease. COVID just seems to be continually wrecking our our, our community and our, our country. You know, God, do I matter? And I need you to understand, yes, you do. He loves you, man. He wants a relationship with you. How do I know that I matter to God? He set me free from sin. Amen. I agree with you, brother. He has set me free from sin. I think so often what happens as Christians and as, as believers, we don't live that way. We believe what Scripture says, we claim, but yet we still live in bondage. We still live as captives. We still live as prisoners, even though Jesus has died to set us free. And so for me, when I look back then, I go, he has set me free from sin. So number one. I would say for any of us that if we've been captive, if we've been maybe in bondage and someone sets you free, you would go, you know what? I matter to them. Wouldn't you agree with that? You know, hey man, if, if something, if I'm in bondage and someone says they put their life on the line, they put their life on the line to rescue me, they put their life on the line to get me free, then I would go, you know what? I matter to them. I think, I think about our, our military families where, you know, it's always, hey, no one left behind. They put their life on the line to go get someone. And so we know, you know what, we matter to them. And so I think it's important for us to remember that, you know, Jesus has, has set me free. I mean, he, he has provided the way for me to be living freedom. Not that I have to live in bondage to sin. Not that I have to bow down to sin. There's going to be temptations that are going to come. God is going to, he's going to provide a way out of that temptation. He is going to do everything he can to number one, keep you from being in that situation. But he will provide a way out. Temptations are going to come. That's part of it. And the more that we see God's grace, and the more that we understand, you know, his mercies, we, we're able to just kind of get our mind around the fact that, you know what, God will provide a way out. I was sharing with a lady who was having a tough time earlier this past week. You know, like I tell you, you know, Satan always tries to attack our, attack our mind. I woke up this morning again with him telling, telling me all these lies. And so what I, what I have done all week long is I've just said, hey, God, your grace is sufficient for me. God, your grace is sufficient for me. And every time I say that, and every time I would speak that, it was almost like God would just take an eraser. And whatever I was focused on that was not God, it was like God would just erase it. God, your grace is sufficient for me. God, you are enough. I am broken. I am in need of a Savior, but you are enough. Your grace is sufficient for me. And so the more that I would say that, the more that I would speak that, the more that God would literally 
revealed to me that I am free. And so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Don't you love that? Come on. Come on, church. Don't you love that? There's no condemnation. There's, we're not condemned. We've been set free. That's what Scripture says, right? But do we, do we believe that? Do we live in that? Do we walk in that truth? Do we, are we just hearing it and going, man, that's good, but I'm not really all in. But if we really believe it, it says there, now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. In other words, we have been redeemed. We have been made right with God. And, and that's the beautiful thing about it. That it's nothing that I do. It's what Jesus did on that cross. It's what Jesus did whenever he laid down his life but because he loved me. And because he loved the Father and he wanted the kingdom to be expanded. He wanted the lost to be saved. I tell you, I sit here and I pray this morning. You know, God, bring lost people here. And I'm just saying, that's our job as a church. We're to go get lost people, bring them here. But we're also to take Jesus to them. We do everything we can to reach as many as we can with the life-changing message of the gospel. And that starts at the cross. Without the cross of Christ. Man, I'm telling you, there's no power. Without the blood of Jesus Christ covering our lives and covering our sins, there's no hope. He is the only way. He is the truth and the light. He is the only way. It's not good deeds. It's not going to church. It's not doing more. It is surrendering our life to Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So let me ask you this. Do you walk in freedom or are you living in bondage? Do you walk in freedom that you go, you know what? I have been set free from the power of sin. It no longer has control over me. Now, and listen, I understand there are besetting sins and there are strongholds that can develop in our lives because what we do is we hear a lie from the evil one long enough, we begin to believe that lie. And all of a sudden we listen to that lie and we believe that lie and we, it becomes entangled in our life. And that, that stronghold is robbing us of the freedom that God has promised us through Christ. And so even though we may have been redeemed, we may have been saved by Christ. For me, I go back to the age of 19. I know that whenever I put my faith in Christ, I was redeemed. I know without a shadow of a doubt my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know that I became a part of his family. I know that I became his child that day. But the, growing from that point to this point is the restoration that God does in my life. God is restoring that relationship with, between me and the Father. And he's doing that by revealing sin in my life. Me confessing that sin. Me repenting of that sin. But the thing is, is I've been freed and I have the spirit of the living God living within me. So for any of us in this room that have put our faith in Christ that have been saved like I was at the age of 19, we have been redeemed, but God wants to restore us. And so therefore he places the power of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the living God within us to lead us, to guide us, to counsel us and to direct our path and to convict us of sin in our life and to remind us that you have been set free from that. Quit entertaining it or quit picking it back up and putting it back on. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. We go back and you say, well, Mike, I'm going to follow all the Ten Commandments. Well, you might want to add a few more to it. It's like 600 and something commands that you had to follow. And nobody, nobody could keep up with all of them. Nobody could follow them all. And so what the law revealed was, you know what? We needed a Savior. We need someone who could purchase us. Someone who could wash us. Someone who could make us clean. Someone who could redeem us. Because if we think that we can do it in our own strength by following a bunch of rules, we've missed it. Most of you guys can't even follow the speed limit coming to church. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it ain't going to happen. So what we got to do is we got to say, God, you know, we needed a Savior. So God did what the law could not do. Look at this. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Read God's word. Hear God's word. And my, that's my prayer to God. Give us ears to hear what your word is saying. And so when I, when I read this passage, it reminds me, you know what, that Jesus had, Jesus literally left heaven 
And he took on flesh, the same stuff that we have hanging on our bones here. He took on flesh. And he felt every emotion, every feeling that we would feel. You may be here today and you feel overwhelmed. Jesus dealt with that, but he didn't sin. You, may, you, know, you might say, well, I feel abandoned. Jesus was abandoned. He, he knows the feeling. Everybody left him hanging at the cross. Maybe you feel you know, like you've been betrayed. Judas betrayed him. I mean, every, every emotion, everything that we will ever deal with, Jesus dealt with that, yet was without sin. And so look at it again. He sent his own son in a body like these bodies we, we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin. So what that scripture is saying, hey, listen, God declared an end to sin ruling in your life. So if you're one of those who says, Mike, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I get that we all are. But if you're continuing to sin and you're just finding your sin because you say, hey, well, the Bible says I'm going to sin. You're listening to a lie. You have been set free from the power of sin by the, by the word of God, by the blood of Christ, and by the cross. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, help me to believe your truth and not the lies of this world. Not what the world says, but what your, your, your scripture says. He did this just... He did this, to, uh, did this so that just the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. What, what, what Paul is saying here is, hey, listen, man, we want to be led by the Spirit. We want to be driven by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, and no longer by the flesh, not by the sinful nature that we struggle with. Another way that I know without a shadow of a doubt that I matter to God is He offers me life and peace. God offers me life and peace. Who in this room doesn't want life and peace? You know, you want life. You, want, you don't feel like hey, my, my life matters. I want, my, I want purpose in my life. And, and I want peace. Peace that passes understanding is what we often say. I want peace. I want to be able to lay my head down on my pillow at night and just go to, go to sleep and have peace. I want to be able to sleep through the night and, you know, and wake up in the morning having peace knowing that God is in control. That God is over all things. And so God offers that to me and he offers that to you. He said, hey, listen, you can have life and you can have eternal life. Jesus said, I can offer you life and I offer you abundant life. That whenever we're walking through this world and there's plenty of storms that will blow into this world. And there's plenty of things that will happen in this world. And we can kind of go through life focused on those things and we will not have peace. We'll see it as chaos. But in the middle of the chaos, God can give us peace. And he wants you to have peace. He wants you to be able to go through life and, and live differently than the world. The world looks at the media and the world looks at everything that's going on around it. And man, they're in fear, they're, there's anxiety, and they're freaking out. But for those who walk and are led by the Spirit, there's peace. There's life and peace. I think back to a friend of mine who, who was, uh, he was studying to be a pastor. And he had been at a, uh, a weekend retreat with some students and had taught on that Sunday. He'd been teaching about heaven. He's going to work on, I mean, going to school on, on Monday morning to the college he was going to. And uh, got killed in a car accident. And me and a... A bunch of our college friends, we were all going home to see, you know, and we're going to the funeral home thinking we're going to minister to his mom and dad just trying to encourage them. We get there, and all of us fall apart, and we get up to the casket. But there's his mom and dad, literally filled with peace. They had joy on their face. They just lost their son. And this is an incredible young man. There's, there's nobody in this room that wouldn't want your kid to be like this guy was. He's that kind of kid. But his mom and dad just had incredible peace, and they ministered to us and literally almost kind of held us up as they were telling us, hey, listen, he's in heaven. That's what he talked about on Sunday. He said, man, I can't wait to get there. That was his, that was his closing line. I can't wait to get to heaven. He said, he's there. Man, we just need to pray that God will use his, his, uh, his life as a testimony. And here I am, you know, nearly 30-something years later talking about that same guy and how God used him to bring hundreds to Christ, even at his funeral. Hundreds came to know Christ. 
And, and so what I'm saying is God offers, the, he offers me life and peace. And when we go through tough times, man, we've got peace. And so it says those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. In other words, let me ask you, what do you think about? You know, how do you, how do you spend most of your time? How do you spend your time throughout the week? Would, if, if everybody could kind of watch a video of what you think about throughout the week, would they say, you know, the majority of their time, like 80% of their time is spent on things that are, that are all of the flesh. It's all about the world. It's all about stuff and things and, you know, stuff that won't matter in the grand scheme of things. But, hey, there's a little sliver over here where they think about the kingdom of God. A little sliver over here where they think about, hey, where will their, where will their family spend an eternity? They got, they got a little sliver over here where they go, you know, I wonder, I wonder if my friend is lost or not. I wonder if they're going to go to hell or if they're going to go to heaven. I wonder if my neighbor is okay. I wonder if they're going to go to heaven or if they're going to go to hell. And I wonder if those little slivers, you know, if we were to look at it, is there any of that in our lives? There may be some of you in this room that are believers that you don't think about any of that. Maybe it's 99% the things of the world. It's about more stuff. It's about materialism. It's about going here and going there or accumulating this or accumulating that. Or maybe it's about being popular. Maybe a little bit more social media will scratch that itch. So what do we think about? Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So in other words, man, throughout our day, we're thinking about, hey, what pleases God? What honors God? What, what points to Jesus? So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So if we're, if we're literally being led by the Spirit, by, I mean by the, by the flesh, and we're being led by the sinful nature, then man, it's death. And all we can see is death. And man, all we see is that we're overwhelmed. And all we see is that, you know what, there's no hope. But Jesus says those who are led by the Spirit have life and peace. I think this is the better option. I don't know about you. It says, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God, God's laws, and it never will. And so it says, hey, listen, if that's where you're living, it ain't going to happen. If you're, if you're still, it's all about the flesh. It's all about you. It's all about what you want, what you desire. Maybe you're the greediest person in the world, and it's all about accumulating stuff. He says, man, it won't ever happen. It says, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Maybe you feel like, I, hey, man, I never feel, feel like I please God. Maybe it's because you don't. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. This is talking to believers. You're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God, Spirit of God living in you. And let's pause there for a second. So again, we, if, I, if I put my faith in Christ, if I surrender my life to Him, and I say, Jesus, I believe that You went to the cross, and I believe that You died for me. Jesus, I believe that You purchased me with Your blood. Jesus, I believe that You washed me in the blood of Christ. Jesus, I believe that You have taken away my sins. I believe that You have written my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I believe that I am far, part of Your family. I believe that I am part of the church. I'm part of the body of Christ. And Jesus, I believe that by faith, not by anything I've done, but only because of what You've done. And so I put my faith in you, Christ, and I surrender my life. And I say, here it is. God, use me. Use me for your purposes. Whatever it might be. God, whatever the career is that you have for me, God, that's what I want. That's what I desire. And so, God, I give you my life. And let me tell you, that is surrender, true surrender. When we give our body as living sacrifice, say, God, here I am. Whatever you want to do. I'm yours. But look at what it says. And this is, this, this is kind of tough. It says, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. You don't belong to him at all. You're on the outside looking in. And I've been there. I think sometimes as Christians, we need to be reminded of what it felt like to be on the outside looking in. For 19 years of my life, I was on the outside looking in. I wanted to be right with God, but I didn't know how. I wanted to give my life to Christ, but I wasn't sure what it would cost me. I wanted to know that I would go to heaven, but I wasn't sure I was willing to to pay the price. And I thought it was something that I was going to have to do. 
And so I can remember at the age of 19, kneeling down my salvation and knowing that I went from being, here's the thing, a, child, a creation of God to becoming a child of God. In Psalms 139, it talked about how God knits us together and he creates us in, in the mother's womb. He, he literally forms us and shapes us. He does incredible work. God doesn't make any junk, right? But at that point, I am a creation of God. I am created by God. He, he literally shaped me and formed me. But here's the thing is I grew up for 19 years. I was a creation of God. I knew that without a shadow of doubt that God had created me. But at the age of 19, by faith one night, I literally get on my knees and I say, God, here's my life. I give you everything. I became a child of God. I became adopted into his family. And he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. And maybe you're here today and you've never gone from being just a creation of God to being a child of God and a part of his family and co-heirs with Christ. And I'm just telling you, it starts with Christ. We have to have him in our life. We talked about revival last couple of weeks. I believe that I believe that revival started in our church about three weeks ago. There's no question in my mind. You know, and I said this, we often we often pray for revival. And, it's, you know, you hear the churches and you hear people that we need revival in America. We need revival in our communities. We need revival in our churches. I totally agree with that. But too often we just kind of keep putting it off like hopefully it's going to happen. Hopefully that's going to happen one day. But I believe that it started in the hearts of our people. When we have that many people, you know, bring cards, hey man, I'm willing to serve wherever. Last Sunday, I had a lady who uh, wrote, sent me an email right after the service. She said, hey, I just want you to know, when I walked in the door, I felt God's presence and God began to deal with me about sin in my life. And she said, whether you had given an invitation to come to the altar or not, I had to go. She goes, I had to respond. I had to move towards, towards God because this was killing me. It was a burden that I was carrying around. And it was starting to isolate me and I just had to give it to God. That, that's repentance. That's brokenness over sin. And she said, I believe, and I'm in total agreement, that revival has started in our church. And so let me just say again, it has to be personal. That, that, that revival has to start right here and just say, God, I, I give you everything. God, I want revival to begin in me. And it takes every one of you going, God, let it start here. God, let it start right here. I want, I want, I want, to, be the, the, I want to be the spark that begins the fire, that begins to set this whole place on fire around here with evangelism to where people are coming to know Christ, where souls are being saved, where lives are being changed, where marriages are being restored, where, where kids are coming home. You know, the prodigal son is coming home. God, I want to be that fire. I want to be that spark if need be. And it takes every one of us saying, God, I want to be that person in my family. God, I want to be the one that is the light that brings the light into the darkness of my home. God, I want to be the light that becomes a light to my family, my extended family. God, I want to be a light in my workplace. God, I want to be the light of Jesus Christ. Not anything about me, but it's all about pointing towards Christ. And so, God, I want revival to start here. And I'm just telling you, it's got to start here. It's got to start here. Personal revival. And here's the thing, it will affect the church. You'll begin to bleed out through the church. Here's what the church will begin to do. We'll start seeing people's needs around us. And we'll say, you know what, let's go help them. We'll see people's needs around us. And we'll say, hey, listen, they don't know Christ. Man, let's share Jesus with them. And it won't be that we've got to just bring them here. Now, let me tell you, I want you guys to bring lost people here. But I want us as a church to be going out. And we begin to see people and go, you know what, I see their need. And we pray over them. And we pray for God to open up doors in their life. And we pray that they would be open to the gospel. And we share the love that we have. And we, we serve them. We serve them. So it needs to take place personally and in the church. And so we said this last week, when revival comes to the church, the church will never be the same again. I pray that we're never the same. I pray that, you know, I I pray that this week I am a little bit more like Jesus than I was last week. I pray that I'm a little bit more like Christ today than I was yesterday. And I'm praying for our church. I'm praying that our church will literally say, God, we do not want to sit on what we have done. But God, we want to use that as a foundation to go do more and greater things. God, breathe a fresh wind into our church. God, breathe a fresh life into our church. And God, give us eyes to see people around us the way that you see them. And a love for them. 
Remember we talked about how much God loves us? Then ask, let's ask God, God, show me how to love the people around me, not to judge them. Jesus didn't come to judge them. God, don't let me judge them. It's so easy for me to focus on someone else's sin than it is to focus on my own sin. And so maybe we ought to say, God, help me to see what is in my life that is an offense towards you. And God, I want to repent of that. I want to turn from that. And God, I want you to use me to share your love with people. And so the church will never be the same again. This is what I love. There will be repentance. There will be immediate obedience. There will be a brokenness before the Lord. The lady that wrote the letter, she said, you know what? If you hadn't given the invitation, I had to get to the altar. She said, I had to come down. I had to get this off my chest. I had to lay this at the altar. And I'm telling you, there's some of you in this room that you're carrying around burdens that, man, you don't need to be carrying. That song that we sang earlier about, you know, come to the Father. He said, hey, listen, man, there's things that I've been carrying around that I wasn't supposed to carry. That I need to put them at the foot of the cross. I need to lay them at the altar. And I need to say, God, I can't carry this anymore. I don't have the strength to do it. And he's going to say, that's okay. I do. And he will take those burdens from you. And here's the thing. He'll begin to heal your heart. He'll, he'll heal your relationships. He'll heal your mind. He will heal you. He is the healer. And so when we come before God, there, there, there has to be repentance and there will be an immediate obedience that I've got to respond. I've got to move. I can't sit here and justify it. I can't sit here and talk myself out of it. I've got to move. But a brokenness before the Lord. When we're broken before the Lord, man, it's something powerful. You know, we're all broken, right? We're all broken people. But some of us are sin broken. But that brokenness before the Lord is whenever we're broken before God over our sin. Revival is when the presence of God comes upon God's people and they experience life they've never experienced before. See, revival is when the presence of God and the power of God and the Word of God begins to literally just penetrate lives. And you can't, you can't justify your sin any longer. And you can't justify how you're thinking. You can't justify what you're doing. You go, you know what? I'm broken over my sin. And so the very power and the presence of God, the holiness of God, just like we talked about a few weeks ago with Isaiah, that we, we realize, man, I am undone. And I'm from a people of unclean lips. And, it, and it, what he's going is, hey, listen, I am, I'm done. I'm in the holy of holies. I'm, I'm in the presence of the Most High. And I think we've got to get to the point of where, you no, know, when we see the love of God, we also see the holiness of God. And because of his holiness, we realize, you know what? We need to change. We need to surrender some areas of our life. Look at what it says in Psalm 34. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Taste and see. That he is good. Taste and see that he is good. And I think some of us, you know, we're, you know, maybe you were like me growing up. You know, I didn't eat certain things. I was a really picky eater. I didn't like, if I didn't like the way it looked, I wasn't going to eat it. Anybody like that? Like guacamole. You know, anybody didn't like guacamole when you kid? Now, I love guacamole now. And I went through a stage where I finally began to shift over and I would try things. But, you know, my mom would be like, hey, I want you to try this. I'm like, mm-mm. And I wouldn't. I was a real picky eater. You know, our, our, our middle son's act kind of that way. You know, it's got, you know, if it had a look, you're like, nah. If it had a smell, nah. Didn't matter how good it tastes. Now, I finally, you know, came around. God changed all that, thank God. But look at it says. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. For many of us in this room, maybe you're watching online. You say, you know what, man? I, I, I've been afraid because, you know, maybe I got hurt by church a long time ago. And maybe you got hurt by church or somebody in church. And you go, you know what, man? I don't trust. I don't trust the church. I don't trust God. That's the issue at the core. Because if you can't trust Him... There's no hope because he is our hope. He's the only one that we can really trust with everything. He never, never leaves us nor forsakes us. Look at what it says here in Psalms 91. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Maybe there's some young moms here in the room. You've been running. You know, you're going. You're trying to provide for a family. You're trying to cook meals. trying to take care of kids. trying to do all this. And I can remember whenever Laurie was at that age and we had young children, it was always, I just need rest. I just need some sleep. 
Look what it says. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Maybe you're a young mom here, or maybe you're an older mom here, and you're just going, going, going. You go, oh, gosh, that sounds so good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Maybe you're a dad here. Maybe you're, you know, you're trying to get things together. And, man, every time you look at the bills, there's more bills than there is money. And you start stressing you out. You start trying to figure out things. And you're always trying to do something. And you're, instead of trusting God, you're trying to figure it out. And maybe we just rest and say, God, I trust you. I just trust you. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Is he really your refuge? Or do you run to somebody or something or some drug or some drink? Is he really your refuge or do you always try to medicate it in some other way? Do you really run to to, to God and just say, God, you are my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Do you trust him? For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Do you believe that God can rescue? I mean, here we are, we're battling COVID. Do you believe that God can rescue? Yes. Do we pray against it? Yes. Do we stand in the mighty name of Jesus and, 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 and denounce it? Yes. We do those things. But we've got to believe. I mean, it comes back to believe. He will cover you with his feathers and he will shelter you with his wings and his faithful promises are your armor and protection. That's what we need. We need God's protection. So how do we get there? And I'm telling you, this is the key right here. Jesus has to be our focus. Our, our focus has to be on Christ. It has to be on the cross of Christ. It has to be on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It has to be on the power of Jesus. It has to be on the blood of Christ. Our focus has to be on Jesus. And too often our focus is everywhere else. I mean, it's on things, it's on stuff, it's on promises, it's on politics, it's on everything else that's out there. And we have the scattered mentality. But it takes focus on who Christ is. Anybody else in here struggle with focus sometimes? Raise your hand if you do. Anybody in here ADD? Yeah, I've never been tested, but, you know, my wife swears up and down, I probably am. But, you know, there's times driving down the road, you know, where, you know, and I, I love to hunt and fish and stuff. So a lot of times I'm driving down the road, I'm deer hunting on the side of the road, I'm looking, you know. And, and I'm, I'm like, you know, and I, when I really get in trouble is when I throw my arm across Laurie's face, I say, look at that. You know, she's like, get your hand out of my face, you know. And, and so, but I'm always looking. But here's the thing is a lot of times if I'm looking that way, I tend to focus that way and I tend to drift that way. Anybody else do that? Sure you do. Whatever we focus on, that's the direction we go. And if our focus is on Jesus, that's the direction that we go. If our focus is on things of the world, that's where we go. If our focus is on the things of this world, that's where we go. If our focus is on politics, that's where we go. And so the, the question we have to ask ourselves is, is Jesus really the focus of my life? There's many of you in this room. I'll give the invitation in just a few minutes. I'll invite some of you to put your faith in Christ. And many of you will say, you know what, man, I'm good. I'm good. But your focus isn't on Jesus. You're not following him. You may be a Christian. You may claim that tag and that title. And you may say, hey, listen, man, I, I, I'm saved. You may be redeemed if you haven't been restored. And Jesus is not the focus of your life. And it's not about the kingdom of God. It's about stuff. And it's about things. And it's about, you know, social media and being accepted and everybody else seeing what you got. It's not about the kingdom of God. So Jesus has to be our focus. And so look at this. So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, and especially the sin that so easily trips us up. See, there's some of us in this room, even right now, you, you feel conviction over some sin in your life. But instead of, of, of repenting of that or, or confessing it and laying it down, it's almost like you just kind of say, I'm, I'm hoping nobody sees it, but yet it's wrapped all around your leg. It trips you up. Some of us will even put our arms back through it and we'll put it back on and say, man, I'm good. And God is saying, no, you're not good. You need, to, you need to confess this. You need to lay this down. You need to let it go. But it says to strip it off. 
It says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. Man, he wants to do great things in you. He wants to do great things through you, right? We've got to believe that. We go, God, I know that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. God, help me to stay focused on what your agenda is, your plan. We do this by keeping our eyes on who? On Jesus, right? By focusing on Jesus, the champion who, who initiates and, and perfects our faith. And so whenever we look at Jesus and we stay focused on Jesus, we, number one... I can't look at Jesus and not realize how much he loves me. I can't look at the cross of Christ and not realize how much he cares about me. I can't look at the cross of Christ and not realize that, you know what, he has paid for my sins. He has paid for everything that I've done wrong. And so he's redeemed me. He has washed me clean. He has literally made me right with God the Father through what he did on the cross. Only by faith have I received that, but I have surrendered my life. So I can't focus on Jesus And I can't focus on his love for me and his redeeming grace and not be changed by that. But if I take my focus off him and I put it on the world and everything else, then I lose sight of what is most important. Look at what it says here in Colossians. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. This is what it's saying to all of us that have put our faith in Christ. Hey, set your sights on what matters most. Set your sights on what is eternal. Set your sights on what will last way beyond this lifestyle or this lifetime. What we do is too often we focus on the stuff that's here that we're not even going to take with us. We focus on this life here. And Jesus said, hey, listen, this is only a training ground for what we're going to do for eternity. So we've got to be focused on what, what matters in heaven. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in glory. And so what it's saying, hey, listen, if you're really a follower of Christ, if you really died to this way of thinking, if you really died to the flesh, if you really crucified the flesh and you said, you know what, I'm led by the spirit. Then here's the thing. The things of this world are not more important than the things of heaven. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff will be taken care of. Don't worry about junk and stuff and, and, and relationships unless you got Jesus in the center because Jesus will make sure that those relationships are right. And the priorities are right. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So here's a question to ask yourself. Is Jesus really my life? It says, who is your life? Is Jesus really the center of my life? Is he really what motivates me, what drives me, what guides me, what leads me? Am I living for him? Or is he somewhere else in the mix? So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. What's that saying? Hey, listen, don't let anything become more important than Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you, that can be our family members. There's moms and dads, and you know, our children become the God in our life. Jesus isn't really the focus, it's our children. You know, it, or maybe it's your spouse. Maybe, you know, your spouse is not the focus. You know, I mean, they're the focus, not Jesus. Maybe it's your career. You know, hey, I've got to have this career. I've got to get these accolades. I've got to get these things on the wall. I've got to have whatever. And if I do those things instead of focusing on Jesus, then here's the thing. Those are all idols. Maybe it's grades. You know, whatever it might be. Maybe it's sports. We live in a sports culture that really worships sports more than they worship Jesus. Are you guilty of that? And so it says to put to death that stuff. So Jesus provided everything we need to walk in freedom. Do you believe that church? Didn't sound like it. Jesus has provided everything we need to walk in freedom. Do you believe that? Uh, Some of you do. 
All right, so the question is, is do you believe that, that so that, to the point of where you can walk in that? Are you, are you sitting here going, Mike, I'd like to believe that. I'd like to know that that's true. But, Mike, I'm not, I'm not experiencing that kind of freedom, but probably because your eyes are on the wrong thing. Jesus, I need to focus on you, your love for me, your redeeming quality. God, the fact that you can redeem me, that you have saved me, you've changed me. And so let me ask you again, do you, do you believe that, you can, that we can walk, that Jesus provided everything we need to walk in freedom? Then if you do, there you go. A little more, a little more. Do we really believe that? Or are we just clapping? Do we really believe that? Here's the thing. We've got to believe that. I'm just saying, if you don't believe that, you've missed what Jesus is teaching, what, his, what he was coming here for. He's saying, hey, listen, I have come to set you free. I have come to redeem that which was lost. That's his mission. And if we are on board with him, if we agree with that, if we really believe that, then, man, we can't get over that. So we've got to believe that, hey, man, he's provided everything. Jesus took our sins upon himself so that we could be free. Do you believe that? Yes, we ought to believe that. I believe that Jesus took my sins upon him. I believe that he washed me clean with the precious blood of Christ. I believe that with everything that's in me. And so the question is, hey, do I believe those things? I know I've, I know I've read God's word. I know I've heard God's word. But do I believe it? Do I, have I put my faith in that? Have I put my faith in Jesus? Look at this passage here. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might, what? Die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. Man, what a great promise to claim. I mean, think about that for a second. So, he bore our sins on him. His body on the cross. So that we might be free from the, from the power of sin, from the bondage of sin. Right? He provided a way. And so when we look at that, it says, and it says to die to sins and live for righteousness. Are you living for righteousness? Is your focus on the things that are of God, the kingdom of God? Are you, are you, is your focus on righteousness? Or is it on garbage? You know, I, I said this earlier. We, we pay hundreds of dollars. You know, people pay $100 a month to pump garbage into our homes. And we watch that stuff with our eyes. We allow it into our mind. We allow it into our heart. And we say, well, you know, it's just a good movie. No, no, no. It's garbage. We get on social media. We let, you know, it's got to be a TikTok or a Snapchat or whatever. Whatever it's got to be. We've got to have those things, you know. And, and that is our focus. It's not Christ. It's not my, my relationship with Christ. It's not my, my witness for Christ. It's not my life you know, being lived out in such a way that people see the righteousness of Christ in me, you know, and it's, it's more about other things. And so it's, it makes it pretty clear here. It says, by his wounds, we have been healed. He has set us free. So here's, here's the question. What or who in your life is taking your focus away from Jesus? What is it? You know, maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your, maybe it's finances. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's materialism. Maybe it's stuff. You know, maybe it's, maybe, hey, it's acceptance. I want to be accepted by people. I want to, I want to fit in. I want people to acknowledge me. I want people to see what I've got or what I've done or whatever, whatever it might be. What is taking the focus off of Christ? So what is it or who is it? And like I said, it could be your children. It could be your spouse. It could be, you know, whoever you're dating. It could be anything. So what is taking your focus away from you? Here's what I believe. I believe that everybody in the room here and those watching online, I believe you know. I believe that God's already revealed some of that. And as you've been sitting here, you've been kind of either negotiating with God or debating with God or, or justifying that sin. And there's a part of you, you really want to do something that lines up with Scripture, but there's another part of you, you know, I really like what the world has to offer. And so you've got to ask yourself, which, what is really Lord in my life?
So here's the question. Is Jesus calling you to repentance? Repentance is whenever we change the way that we think about a sin. The way that we think about Jesus. The way we think about the kingdom. Really, it's just a change. It's changing the way that I think. And then by changing the way that I think, it changes the way that I live. And let me just say this. We have a choice. When we start in a series not long from now, um, winning the battle of our mind. We, we can choose what we think on. Here's the thing. We can choose who we serve. We have a choice. Jesus gives you a choice. So the question is, is Jesus calling you to repentance? Is he calling you to repentance? Then will you trust him? Repentance is leaving whatever you've been doing and turning to Christ. Maybe it's to come down to the altar and just say, God, I'm broken over my sin. I want to repent. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. Is Jesus revealing what takes away your focus from him? I believe he is. I believe he already has. And so the question might be this next one here. Is I believe that Jesus has already revealed that. Here's the question. What will you choose today? Maybe you're watching online. What will you choose today? Will you choose Jesus? Will you choose to focus on Christ? Will you focus on the kingdom of God? Will you focus on being used? Will you surrender your life? Will you say, Jesus, here I am. I give you everything. I give you my life. I give you my home. I give you my career. I give you my family. I give you everything. See, I believe that God is dealing with some of you about salvation. You haven't, you've never given your life to Christ. You're, you're a creation of God. You've never become a child of God. You've never become part of the church, part of the family, part of the body of Christ, co-heirs with Christ. But Jesus is tapping you on the heart and he's saying, listen, I want you to confess your sin. I want you to repent and I want you to trust me. I will save you. I'll redeem you. I'll set you free and I'll heal you. That's what he's offering to you. But here's the other thing. I would say there's a lot of believers in this room that have bought the lies of the world. And they are not walking in freedom. And there may be some of you today that you need to just go to the altar and you say, you know, God, I want to walk in freedom. I want to put to death the sin that's in my life. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody's looking around. If you're watching online, just right where you are, just say, God, I want to focus on you. And maybe right, right where you are, just, just say, God, show me what I need to lay down today. God, show me what I need to let go of today. Show me what I need to put on the altar today. Show me what I need to throw at the foot of the cross today. There may be some of you in this room, maybe you're watching online, you've never received Jesus Christ for salvation. So right now, I just want to encourage you to say, Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I need a Savior. And so Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you forgive me of my sins? His answer is yes. Jesus, I want to repent. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. And so Jesus, will you come in? Will you redeem me? Will you save me? And his answer is yes. If you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ, if you don't mind, would you just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I just asked Jesus to come into my heart. Anybody in the room? I see your hand back here, brother. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. Anybody else? Just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I just asked Jesus to come into my life. Right here. I see your hand. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the body of Christ. Welcome to the church. That's church. Two right here. Maybe there's somebody online. If you did that, let us know. We want to know. That's what Jesus came for. And church, that's what we've got to be about. And we've got to walk in freedom and we've got to walk in truth and we've got to believe God's word and not what this world is selling. And so in just a second, if you raised your hand, I want you to let us know. If you will, fill out a card. Let us know. We want to walk with you. But I believe that the next few minutes are for the church. Pastor West is fixing to lead us in a song. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to give you an opportunity to just go to the altar. 
Our prayer, our prayer team is going to be down here at the front. They're going to be here to pray with you if you want to pray with them. And, so, and you may want to go get on your face at the altar and just say, God, I need to repent. But there may be some of you, I just, hey, I need somebody to pray in agreement with me. I don't even know how to pray. They'll pray with you. So I want to, I want to ask everybody to stand. Everybody just stand. Man, and don't, don't let Satan rob you of the focus. Let your focus be on Christ. You might say, well, Mike, I know I'm saved and I know I'm good. All right, well, then you ought to be the biggest prayer warrior in the room praying for those that are not there. And so I want, to, I want to ask you just to bow your heads and I want you to respond as God leads you. So as Wes leads us, you respond. Go to the altar. Let God change you. Let God heal you. Let God set you free. And here's the thing. Believe what He says. You just respond as God leads. You give life. You are love. You bring life to Thank you for how much you love us. God, I pray that everybody that walks out of this room, everybody that's watching online knows they matter. God, we matter because of you. Father, I pray that we would show your love today to someone. Lord, Father, give, give us eyes to see people as you see them, to love them as you love them. Father, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, God, that you would tear down the strongholds that are in this room. God, you tear down the lies that people are believing. God, that people would find freedom today. They would walk in that, that freedom. They would walk in that spirit. God, I pray that you would tear down the lies. And Father, I pray that as we walk out of here, God, that it would be evident. I pray that we would be a light. I pray that our church would be a light in this community. I pray that as we walk into the community, Lord Father, as we go into restaurants, as we go into places, God, that the light of Jesus would be so bright in our lives that they would see the righteousness of Christ that has been applied to us, that has redeemed us, God. 
And God, that we would not be ashamed. God, don't let us be ashamed of the gospel. God, let us be bold with the gospel. Let us tell others what you have done in our life. Let us share with others how they can be made right with you because of what Jesus did on the cross. God, let us tell about your love and go into detail about your love. And so, Father, I pray that you would use us as your church this week, God, that we would be obedient. Give us immediate obedience, God, that we would trust you, that we wouldn't negotiate, that we would surrender. Father, thank you for loving us. I thank you for these two that have put their faith in you for salvation today, God. We give you praise, God, for their salvation. We thank you that their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. God, we thank you that you are not done with them. That, God, you have a plan and a purpose for their life. And, God, I pray for that next Sunday, I pray that you bring more lost people here. God, I pray that as we leave as a church, we would go looking for those that are lost because we care, God, because they matter to you. God, put a fire in our heart. Put a burden on our heart as a church to care about your mission, not our agenda. We love you, God, and we praise you in Jesus' name.